Good afternoon, passengers. This is your captain speaking. I'd like to welcome everyone aboard this podcast. We are currently cruising at an altitude of 35,000 feet and airspeed of 450 miles per hour. Weather is clear and sunny with a high of 75 degrees. The cabin crew will be coming around in about 20 minutes to offer you a light snack and beverage. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome aboard Pilot Error. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine. You may know me from such podcasts as The Deep Dive Podcast, The Deep Dive Microcast, and Mysteries of the Deep. Not to be confused with Deep Dive Fried Chicken Restaurants or Deep Dive Bail Bonds. This is Pilot Error, where we look at TV shows that never made it past their first episode usually with good reason. Today, it's the 2003 merging of cop show and sci-fi called NYPD 2069. Yeah, I know. Laugh at the number. Get it out of your system. But before we get to this episode's pilot um, episode, a bit of background on the show's creator, the legendary Stephen Bochco. Bochco began his career in the early 1970s as a writer for Universal Pictures. He wrote and was involved with several feature films, including the environmental-themed sci-fi film Silent Running. But it was television where Bochco made his mark, writing for 70s TV classics like Ironside, Macmillan and Wife, and of course, the forgotten gem, Richie Brockelman, Private Eye. Oh, and uh, one more thing. Oh, listen, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Oh, uh, one other thing. One more thing. Oh, doctor? Yes? One more thing. Bochco wrote several episodes of Columbo featuring Peter Falk as the rumpled yet deceptively clever homicide detective. Episodes of which, by the way, air on the Cozy TV channel, C-O-Z-I, which may be available if you live in the United States. They can also be found on the Tubi streaming service. Check them out, they're great shows. Throughout the 1970s, Bochco amassed an impressive resume of writing credits, but it wasn't until 1981 that a show premiered that he himself created. A show about a big city police precinct that seems to be always on the verge of descending into complete chaos. Hill Street Blues was by no means a smash hit right out of the gate. The show got shuffled around NBC's primetime schedule several times, and the show's ratings were in the toilet. However, the show had a champion, a really important one. 
32-year-old Brandon Tartikoff became the youngest president of a major television network when he took over programming for NBC in 1981. At the time, NBC's ratings were dismal, third place behind ABC and CBS. Tartikoff was one of the first TV executives to actually have grown up watching television. And he had a plan. Find good shows, put them on the air, and let the audience find them. Sounds simple, right? But some shows take time to become successful and find their niche. Tartikoff was willing to do that with shows like Hill Street Blues, and it worked. Ratings improved, and critical acclaim from reviewers who were willing to advocate for the show also helped drive viewership. Hill Street Blues went from being number 87 in the Nielsen ratings for its first season to being in the top 30 for most of the show's seven-season run. Tartikoff was able to turn NBC's fortunes around, shepherding other hits like The Cosby Show, Family Ties, Seinfeld, and a show that was the result of a two-word memo from Tartikoff. MTV Cops. MTV Cops would, of course, be retitled Miami Vice. Over the decades since television was first broadcast across the land, there have been three genres of shows you can always count on being there. Cop shows, doctor shows, and legal shows. Oddly, these same three professions the rest of us would rather not have to deal with, ever. Stephen Bochco brought us his version of the police drama. His next hit tackled another of the three. Lawyers, the people you love to hate. And L.A. Law proved it. Viewers just loved watching the literal trials and tribulations of the lawyers at a Los Angeles law firm. It had a large ensemble cast, lots of soap opera-y personal storylines, and tackled the issues of the time. L.A. Law ran for eight seasons, from 1986 to 1994. And a continuation of the show is being planned at ABC with several original cast members returning. Okay, so we've got ourselves a cop show and a legal drama. Can we go for the trifecta? Oh, yes, we can. Doogie Howser, M.D., with Stephen Bochco's somewhat unique take on the traditional doctor-hospital drama. It's centered on 16-year-old Douglas Hauser, played by the great Neil Patrick Harris. Douglas, or Doogie, was a child prodigy who wanted to follow in his father's footsteps and become a doctor. After finishing medical school at the ripe old age of 14, Doogie is now a second-year resident at a Los Angeles hospital and lives with his parents and tries to manage being a teenager along with being a physician. As the show once put it, he can't buy beer, but he can prescribe drugs. 
Doogie Howser, MD, was another hit for Bochco and his new network partner, ABC. It ranked in the top 15 shows during its four-season run from 1989 to 1993. Shortly after Doogie debuted, Stephen Bochco began working on his next big show, a show that arrived with lots of hype and anticipation. He would go back to the genre that made his career, but this time, it hit a sour note. Item last on the teletype, we still got the Franklin Avenue Flasher. Struck at two outdoor weddings and a school picnic so far this month. Male cock, 6'3", look for tattoos in unusual places. Okay, that's it. And hey, hey, let's be careful out there. Let's be careful out there. We had a 187 at the 7 11 on the corner of 4th and Main. Two Caucasians of the male persuasion for the bullet through the cashier's brain. Moving on, I see it to 11. Half a dozen 459. Two, 1990s cop rock was a truly interesting experiment. A police procedural and a musical. Yes, singing and dancing and all that. Every episode. Uh, during a cop show that dealt with serious crimes, including murder. Yeah. Now, if that sounds odd to you, uh, it was. It became a notorious flop for the ABC network and was hated by both audiences and critics alike. It was canceled after only 11 episodes. Now, there are episodes available to watch for free on YouTube if you are interested. Give it a watch and see what you think. The question is, where do you go from there? Well, back to the blue. In 1993, Bochco bounced back with another new take on the cop show, NYPD Blue. The show was a darker, grittier look at the lives of police and their families. It pushed the boundaries of acceptable language and nudity on broadcast television. And it was also a huge hit for ABC, lasting 12 seasons. Bochco was back on top. And fast forward to the 21st century. Stephen Bochco continued to have his hits and misses. Other cop shows, other legal shows, and other medical shows came and went. But Bochco was someone who, on occasion, liked to subvert expectations, as he did with Copra. That is, finally, where our journey leads us. The year 2003 had, as every year, its fair share of TV pilots. Some of them good, some bad, some, well, we're going to save those for future episodes. I'll give you a hint. A reboot of Mr. Ed, the talking horse. Yeah, wait for that one later. Our friend Stephen Bochco had a pilot for a new show that year. A sort of mashup. 
Yes, it was another cop show, but with a hint of Buck Rogers thrown in to spice things up. Yes, that is NYPD 2069. Chuckle, chuckle. Now, there have been other police slash sci-fi shows before, to be sure. The first one I remember seeing as a youngster was a really bad 70s comedy from ABC called Holmes and Yo-Yo about a destructive police detective partnered with an indestructible humanoid robot. You've got four partners in the hospital. Come on, Alex, you're a good cop. By the way, who's my new partner? We call him Yo-Yo. He weighs 427 pounds. He's a completely mobile computer, specially programmed for police work. Is he indestructible? We think so. This is top secret. No one, including Holmes, must know his identity. Alex, no, don't. You're not a person. You're not going to tell them? In my book, you got to make himself a good cop. That's what I put in my report. Hilarity did not ensue, and the show was canceled after only three months. Robocop it ain't. Thankfully, NYPD 2069 was not played for laughs. The premise introduces us to New York cop Alex Franco, living and working in 2003. Franco is working a murder case when the wealthy prime suspect arranges for Detective Franco to have an accident, one that leaves him in a vegetative state. Franco is put into an experimental cryogenic freeze for a period of 10 years while science looks for a way to restore his mind. Well, they overshot it a bit, and Franco is awakened 66 years later. Where am I? Federal Science Hospital, New York City. Was it my truck? Yes. Harlan Kroger. Listen to me, this guy, this guy, Harlan Kroger, he set me up, I saw him. Look, you have to listen no, to me. listen to me, I need a phone, I need to get a hold of my partner. Look, right now. I'm gonna give it to you straight, so you have to listen to me. Look, I need a phone! But when you were hit by that truck, you went into a coma. What? What are you talking about? What the hell's going on here? You've been preserved for 66 years. This is some kind of sick joke, Alex. The year is 2069. So, his wife is long dead. His son is an elderly man with dementia. And his grandson is, yep, also a cop. Oh, and the man who arranged Detective Franco's accident? Still alive at the age of 99, but looks a lot younger, thanks to gene therapy. Franco wants revenge, so he decides to go back to being a cop and realizes the future is a lot different for the police than it was in his own time. Law enforcement is much more aggressive and immediate. When you're in the field, you'll wear augmented reality glasses. That way you're online, in communication with your squad, your fellow cops. I know that in almost every respect, this is a different world for you, but it's a good world. Some terrible things have happened since 2003, but we bounced back. And this is kind of where the show sprinkles in a dash of Judge Dredd. 
the America of 2069 is basically a police state where trials and judgments, including death, are meted out in mere minutes. Central, I need immediate prosecution on Keith Golan. I'm prepared to proceed, prosecutor. Two counts of murder, one count of kidnapping. Guilt is not an issue. Defense does not dispute guilt. The defendant, Keith Golan, is guilty of all counts as charged. Sentencing, prosecutor. Two violent acts that resulted in death. We request D5. The defendant surrendered and wants to cooperate. That should mitigate punishment down to D4. He killed a cop. As Detective Bolander pointed out, he may be part of a ring. Sentence is D5. I appeal. I have reviewed the record. Sentence affirmed. Appeal denied. Clearance for D5. Hear that, Goldie? Look into the lens at the center of my helmet. What are we doing here? You have 30 seconds to give a final statement. You promised you wouldn't kill me. 25 seconds. No, I'm sorry. I love you. You were a good mom. You deserve better. Tell everybody that that I'm sorry. Yeah, that's touching. You promised you wouldn't kill me. I never promised you a damn thing, asshole. garbage. NYPD 2069 did have some pretty prescient ideas when it came to technology. Augmented reality, autonomous drones, voice-activated home automation, even walls that change color on command. Now, of course, Franco has to team up with his cop grandson, that was coming, to finally get his revenge on the man who ruined his life. Boom. Now, I saw the pilot about a decade ago, and at the time, thought it was fairly decent. I rewatched it again for this podcast and realized why many of these sorts of hybrid, mixed genre shows don't work. They have a fear of commitment. NYPD 2069 doesn't know if it wants to be a cop show, a science fiction show, or a fish-out-of-water tale. It winds up doing a lackluster job at all three. It had potential, but it wound up looking and feeling like a lot of shows of the early 2000s. NYPD 2069 had the bones of a good series, but no one's heart really seemed to be in the production. The cast, with the exception of the always compelling Giancarlo Esposito, were about as interesting as a timeshare presentation. Dramatic hour-long series need to have strong characters that audiences can love or hate but not ignore. You can't expect fancy special effects to do the heavy lifting. NYPD 2069 does occasionally show up on YouTube but it has not been officially released on any format that I know of. What about Steven Bochco? His last hit series was Murder in the First, a series that followed a single case throughout an entire season. It ran from 2014 to 2016. Sadly, Bochco passed away in 2018 after a four-year battle with leukemia. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has just been cleared to land. As we start our descent, 
Please make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in their full upright position. Make sure your seat belt is securely fastened and all carry-on luggage is stowed underneath the seat in front of you or in the overhead bins. We hope you had a safe and enjoyable listening experience. If you have any comments, go to the deep dive podcast at gmail.com and drop us a line. Any clips used in the podcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on any existing copyrights. And thanks for flying an Automaton Studios production. Be careful out here.